Lance, so thankful for you, brother, just the, the journey. People here may not have heard, but you guys just celebrated 10 years yeah. as Hope was Alive. Yeah, so great, great celebration. Uh, you know, the, the presentation was great. Tebow was great. Ben Fuller. Oh, my word, man. That was I've been listening to Ben Fuller on Spotify, just like. Oh. It really helped his streams. Like, I bet you, yeah, you got to have so, man. That's, that's fantastic. Um, I just think about Pastor Jim, the first time he told me, hey, there's this new, this new ministry and this guy named Lance. And, and those of you who've been around the church for a while, you know there's always people coming to you. Hey, will you do X, Y, Z? Will you do this? I was like, all right, Jim, I don't think we need to do this. And Jim said, no, 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 <laughs> we, need to go, we need to go have this meeting. And I'm so thankful. So thankful we did, brother, for, for that. So I want to pray for you, and then you preach, share your story, share God's word with the people. And then at the end, you'll have a chance to respond out in the lobby. There are going to be places you can go to get information. If you want to talk about caring for a loved one or you need to find Hope Support Group, you'll have a chance to go uh, do that after the service. And then there is a lunch today. If you're interested in that Finding Hope Support Group, you have a, a loved one who is an alcoholic or an addict and you need help, we have a lunch after the service and we would just point you over to the gym, to that metal building in the back to go, to go be a part of that. And there'll be people that'll point you that direction. All right, let's pray. And Lance, I want you to be able to share. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the celebration. Just as people gather together to encourage one another, to pray together uh, as we celebrate baptisms, as we celebrate lives that are changed. And God, open our hearts even now that we would hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us. And God, we never want to come into a gathering like this and not respond. God, we want to come with soft hearts. We want to come looking for how we're supposed to respond. So God, show us what that looks like. Open our hearts to take action as a result of this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Emmaus, good morning. How we feeling? How we doing? Give me a little feedback this morning. Have you ever had this many drug addicts in this sanctuary before at one time? Oh my gosh. They're everywhere. They're sitting in my seat. What do I do? Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for welcoming us. We do bring a little energy, don't we, gang? We bring a little fire. It might be a little different. You might have never heard someone's name chanted as they came up uh, to speak, but you know that's just what we do, and that's we're a part, what we're a part of. And I understand that this is a very unique Sunday morning. It's a very unique experience, but I believe that God anointed this day. He chose this day. What we just experienced with baptism, hearing Billy's story, hearing Amy's story, none of this is on accident. If the enemy's trying to tell you you came on the wrong Sunday, refute that. Push that away. You are here for a reason. If anything, if at the very least, you just heard four incredible stories of the gospel in action. The gospel changes people's lives. And what we love to do at Hope is Alive is tell the story of what God has done in our lives. How he picked us up out of that mud and that mire. Right, friends? How he set our foot on the rock. How he steadied us as we were wavering. How he put a new song in our mouth. A hymn of praise to thee. The Bible goes on to say in that passage that many will respond to that new song that we're singing. 
And Emmaus, what you have done for years after years after years through your financial support, through your prayer support, through showing up at events, through coming to Monday Night Bible Study, is you are partnering with God to help put a new song in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of broken and hurting addicts' lives. So thank you. Thank you for believing in what we're doing. I'm sorry, I get a little bit fired up when I see all of these incredible men and women whose lives are radically changed. And when I get to thank people, thank you for believing in it, believing in me, for believing in our staff. Thank you. You know, today you might feel good and warm and fuzzy, but one day when we get to heaven, you will get to see what you have been a part of. And I mean that, and I believe it. And so I urge you to get involved. Ari did a nice soft pitch. Hey, come and see us if you want to volunteer. I'm going to go in a little harder. I urge you, come get involved. Because here's the thing. When you come to these homes and you engage with our residents and you begin to see the gospel changing men and women's lives, what happens is, yes, they're changed, but I promise you, you will be more changed. Your faith will be inspired. The passion inside of you. You'll reconnect with a place that you might not have had in a long, long, long time. So as Amy said, take that step today in whatever way it might be. Maybe it's finding hope. Maybe it's volunteering and serving. Maybe today it's your time and your turn to realize that God has given you a story to tell. We believe in the power of stories at Hope is Alive. That's a little bit about what my message is today. In fact, if you're taking notes, and we believe at Hope is Alive that note takers are... See, it's just good to bring your own little cheering squad with you. It's just, it just really helps. We're going to talk about, if we have the slides, your secret weapon. That's the title of the talk today, your secret weapon. And what I want you to know is three things right out the jump. Number one is your story is your secret weapon. Your story. How many of you were touched and inspired as you got to hear the story, especially that little girl? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. The gentleman on the welcome team has been out there serving. There's something powerful about stories. And the great thing is, is, thank you for nodding your head, ma'am. Stories are a secret weapon that you have, that God has given you. And number two, stories connect people. They connect us. And number three, stories change us. Stories change us. I was listening to a podcast this morning on the way over from one of the, uh, the new CEO I don't know how new she is, but she's the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. And she took over for them, and she, she was talking about in this interview that when she took over, she sat down and she literally met with every single employee, every single one of them. And guess what she did? She sat down and she said, tell me your story. Tell me your story. She would say, well, they, they always would start by saying, well, I've been with the Mavericks for five years. And she said, no, 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 no. Tell me your story. See, there's something powerful about a story. It connects us and it changes us. I love this study that some really smart folks at Princeton have done, and they've shown this, that stories are actually sticky. They connect us from the inside. They say this, that showing the brain waves of people that are listening to stories, they actually start to synchronize with that of the storyteller. 
So we were able to throw all of our brainwaves up on this wall. Your brainwaves would be going along with mine as I'm beginning to tell you my story here in just a moment. See, there's something powerful about a story. It connects us from the inside. These scientists have said that depending on the story that you're reading or watching or listening to, your palms might start to sweat. You ever felt that? You might blink faster. Your heart might flutter or skip a beat. You could get the chills. Your facial expressions could shift. The muscles above your eyebrows would react to the words. I watch a lot of documentaries. If you've ever watched those documentaries with those mountain climbing people, those crazy people that are climbing mountains without any ropes, you'll know that stories connect us. Your hands will start to sweat. I'm sweating thinking about it right now. Those people are nuts. Right? Something. I mean, human beings are unbelievable. But the truth is, what happens is I'm putting myself on that rock. I'm on that rock with them. There's something powerful and engaging about a story. And these scientists tell us this, that there's something on the inside that's actually connecting us. But they go on, this study will show you that science also shows us that stories can change us. It says this, listeners to stories will keep thinking about the story, talk about it with other people, and that reinforces the memory and ultimately will drive a change in your attitude or your behavior. Have you ever heard a story and it changes your life? It inspires you. It motivates you. Stories are sticky. But friends, and Emmaus, <laughs> we don't need science to tell us what our Savior has already taught us. I'll say it again. We don't need science to tell us what Jesus has already taught us. Jesus knew. God knew the power of stories. That's why Jesus told so many stories. When I was growing up, they were called parables. Remember the little acronym? Earthly story, heavenly meaning. Go the other way. Earthly story, heavenly meaning. Parables, stories. So many times we see in Scripture that Jesus was trying to get a point across. He could see sometimes the audience wasn't following him. So what would he do? He would transition from maybe teaching to telling a story. And he'd say, well, it would be like this, like a, like a young man who took his inheritance too early, and he, he went out into the world and he squandered it, and he found himself in the pigsty, and he realized he could go back home. And the father saw him, and he, and he brought him in, and he put the robe on him and the ring on him, and he began to tell a story, right? Because he knew that stories would connect us. And you might see yourself as that prodigal, or you might see yourself as that father, or you might see yourself as that brother, Right? Thank God that he knew that in our minds and in our hearts, we would need to feel and understand a story, oftentimes to understand what he's trying to get across. Isn't God good that he would tell us these stories? He's engaging our emotions, speaking truth, connecting us in hopes of changing us from the inside out. He goes on to explain this in Mark 4. This is the Passion Translation. I'm going to read quite a bit, so hang with me. He says this in verse 10 of chapter 4. When they were off by themselves, those who were close to him, along with the twelve, so a pretty good little group of people, asked about the stories. He told them, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it, 
Everything comes in stories. It creates readiness, nudging them towards receptive insight. These are people whose eyes are open, but they don't see a thing. Whose ears are open, but they don't understand a word. Who avoid making an about face and getting forgiven. Verse 13, he continues, he says this, Do you see how this story works? All my stories work this way. And he goes on to tell a story. The farmer plants the word. Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches away what has been planted in them. Verse 16 says this, And some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in verse 18, the seed cast in the weed represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things that they have to do and all the things they want to get. This stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes from it. Here's what I'm getting to right here, verse 20. But the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. We'll jump to verse 33. It says this. With many stories like this, what we just heard, he presented this message to them, fitting the stories to their experience and their maturity. He was never without a story when he spoke. When he was alone with his disciples, he went over everything, sorting out the tangles, untying the knots. That's called discipleship, by the way. Jesus would tell a story, and then he would get off alone, and he would begin to untie those knots and talk about those doubts and go deeper with each and every person. God knew the power of stories so well that he gave each and every single person in this room their own unique story. And it's your secret weapon. And today I want to challenge you with everything in me to tell your story and to believe in faith that God can do amazing things when you say yes to telling that story. I'll never forget the very first moment that I knew I was addicted. Come on, residents, nod your head with me. We very vividly can remember the moment when we knew something's got a hold of me. It's bigger than me, and I don't know what it is, and I'm in trouble. It was a freezing cold Denver night. I was in a hotel room traveling for business. I woke up in a pool of my own sweat. I mean, so hot. Rolling over, my stomach was in knots. I was in such a bad place that I, I literally couldn't walk, so I rolled out and hit the floor with a thump. I began to crawl on the nasty hotel room floor because I could not get up into that hotel bathroom. Dizzy, discombobulated, completely nauseous, sick, my legs kicking like crazy, could not sit still. I pulled myself up over the sink, flipped on the lights, and I caught my eyes. And I had a moment of clarity when I realized my life was not my own. The backstory is for a few weeks prior leading up to this, I had began to dabble with prescription pain pills, taking a handful here or there, 
at this point in time, we all know what they can do, and most of us in this room have probably even felt their effects. For me, in the way that it hit my chemistry, is it gave me a little bit of a euphoria, a little bit of energy. What that was, and I realized today, is that was a lie from the enemy. But I began to take a few of these pills. And for whatever reason, I, I had began to take them pretty regularly, but I had forgotten or I didn't bring them. I'm not even sure. But I had not taken any for about 48 hours. And my body woke up begging, pleading for those chemicals. I was in a bad place. I was in a fork of the road. Right, friends? And maybe I'm speaking to somebody right now. Maybe it's not about addiction. Maybe it's about something else in your life. But you're at that place, that fork in the road, and you know you are. Hear me, friends. I knew I was at that place, and I still chose wrong. I could have reached out for help, but I didn't. I continued down that destructive, dark cycle. What's crazy about my story is that it wasn't just about a few weeks later when I, I, I found this and kind of met this unbelievable woman. I mean, she was gorgeous. Let me just tell you, friends, I was smitten. Woo, I was in love. So much so, like, I actually stopped using those pills for a little while. But how many of you know there's no amount of love that can keep an addict clean? We can find out more about that at Finding Hope. So even though this unbelievable woman was presented into my life, I continued to use. And our life just fell into the deepest, darkest, craziest situations and scenarios. I can't even really describe how deep it is. There's a lot of shows out right now who will show you the destruction of an addict's life, not only on my life, but on those that were around me. Lying, fighting, cheating, being in the middle of the streets, crazy screaming matches, her standing in front of my car, begging me not to get in that car, knowing where I would go, and me literally pushing her aside and getting in that car, continuing the cycle of destruction and darkness and devastation. And just when I thought I couldn't get any worse, I found Oxycontin. And my addiction exponentially jumped off the charts. Friends, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you some kind of war stories. I'm just trying to tell you how dark it was. How in bondage I was. I couldn't go an hour without taking anything. And I'd look you in the eye and tell you whatever I had to tell you to get whatever I had to get. Most of the time, it was either your pills or into your house to steal something so I could go get more pills. It was every single thought that I had, and it ruined my life. The devil took me down to the very, very pit, the darkest of dark places. But how many of you know that we serve a God who will crawl into our moments of misery? who will walk into those dark places with us. See, we serve a God. There's no place of misery that His mercy can't heal. And there's no place of darkness where the light of our Father cannot reach us. And I love what the psalmist says in one, Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It goes on to close this little verse, verse there and says this in verse 12. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, for night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. What I came to tell somebody this morning is that there's no place of darkness where the light of our Father cannot reach you. From my heart to yours, I promise you. <laughs> I've heard thousands of stories, right, friends? I, I mean, I've heard it. There's nothing you can do where the love of our Father cannot overcome it.
There's no place you can go where the light of our Father cannot reach you. There's no place where your son can go. There's no place where your daughter can go. There's no place where your father can go, where the light and love of our heavenly Father cannot reach them. When we can get that truth in our hearts, everything changes. God came and rescued me on April 27, 2011. I've been able to stay clean and sober every single day since through a lot of, a lot of accountability, a lot of support, and a lot of help from God. Early on in my recovery, I found myself in a, in a treatment center, and I began to realize really early on that, that God had placed something inside of me. It's my story. And he began to give me opportunities to tell those stories. First off, at a Bible study every day at 1015. They knew my dad was a Baptist pastor, so of course they went and asked me if I would lead the Bible study every single morning. And you know what? Here's the funny thing about that. I had ran from that my entire life. But there I am in the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. I lost everything in my life. And even in that place, God is seeing a future for me. And he's giving me opportunities to tell my story. Because it's one thing to have a story, which we all have. It's another thing to engage it. And I want to land and close here. You've got to engage your secret weapon. I knew that whatever God had asked me to do, from a very, very early on in my sobriety, I'm speaking to our residents right now, my answer had to be yes. See, I had said no for so long. I had said no to every single thing God was pulling me and leading me into. It was my time to say yes. And somebody this morning, God is putting something on you. He's put a person in your life. He's put a neighbor down the street. There's somebody in your workplace. There's an opportunity to serve. There's a Finding Hope group coming up. There's a pastor that needs prayer. It's your time to say yes. It's your time to say yes. And here's the beautiful thing. When we begin to say yes and engage that secret weapon, God begins to do unbelievable things. Things we can't even fathom or think about. And I know that it feels like so many times that we're fighting this battle alone. And I love what you said, Pastor, because we are fighting a battle out there. And it really is hard. But here's the thing we must remember. Revelation 12, 11 says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. When's the last time you told someone your testimony? See, every time I get such a blessing to tell my story, I'm reminded of where I was. And I promise you, I'll walk out more fired up than anybody in here today. And what a blessing. So I ask you, friend, when's the last time you told someone your testimony, your story? Don't sit dormant on the sidelines. Get in the game. We need you. And that's the unbelievable thing about stories. See, God calls us his co-workers. And the truth is that he wants to use your story to touch someone else's life. What if you're the one standing in the way? Will God go and reach them? Yeah, he can. But he wants to use you. He wants to use you and what you've been through, what you've walked through. That's the unbelievable thing about God's economy. It's in reverse. My story, my unique experiences actually can go to help other people. Only through the power of His grace and His mercy. So very early on, I knew my answer had to be yes. And I was willing to go and tell that story anywhere that I, I had the opportunity. And I really visioned early on that we could open a home, and, and my wife at the time, and I'll circle back around to that in a second, um, join me and we begin to look for a home 
where men initially would come and live in this program. I think we have a picture of the first five guys that moved into the home with me. I hope. Oh, we do. Look at there. That's the only picture on the internet with me without a beard, by the way. But these first guys came and, and they lived and they, and they took a step, it took a leap of faith. Men, they said yes to a new opportunity, to a new experience. And God began to do something really powerful. See, so he began to do something, what I like to say, Ephesians 3.20-like, exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. It has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with what God can do when you say yes to telling your story. And so from one house and five guys to the power of so many people, most importantly God, here's a little picture of where we are today and all the residents that came together just a few months ago. I think you'll be pretty blown away. Go back to that picture. Look at all those people, man. Look at all that. It's amazing. Amazing. Your story doesn't disqualify you. Your story actually qualifies you. What God has done through my story, what God has done through my wife, Allison's story, I know her and my little boy are watching at home, is he's taken broken, hurting, flawed, messed up people who through the power of Jesus Christ He's given us a second chance. And we don't have it all figured out. We don't know where this is going to end. But what we do know is every single day, we're going to get up and say yes. To the next step, and the next step, and the next step. You have to engage your secret weapon. You don't have to have the, all things figured out. You don't have to know the end. God knows the end. What he's asking you to do is say yes to what's right in front of you. Friends, I want to close by telling you this. You have a secret weapon. Don't discount this. Don't tell me, oh, man, I don't have a, an unbelievable story of addiction. You know what? I don't really either. Their stories are much more powerful than mine. But what I do have a story of is that I was lost. I was in bondage. I was in shame. I was in darkness. And God rescued me. He saved me. And I hope you have that story, right? Of where you were and how God lifted you up. You have an amazing story. What if we all were this fired up to go tell our stories? How would our communities look different? How would our churches look different? How would our schools and our workplaces look different? And trust me, this isn't easy. I'm fighting the enemy every single day because he hates this. But let's do something different, church. Let's get excited about what Jesus has done in our lives. We're no longer the same. Do we have it all figured out? No, but we trust the one who does. You have a story. It's a secret weapon. Stories connect us. I'm sure you feel more connected to me now than you did when I started. That's the power of a story. And number three, stories can change us. But it takes us being willing to engage it. So God, give us the courage and the confidence to engage our secret weapon. Father, I would pray that you would give the men and women whose lives you're touching right now opportunities to engage their secret weapon this afternoon, this evening, this week. Father, there are so many in this room who are ready 
to use what they've been through to help other people. So I ask God, would you see them? Would you open up doors? Would you give them opportunities like you did me? And again, give them the boldness to just say yes and to trust you with the rest. Father, we're so thankful for the redemption, the story we have, because you sent your son Jesus to die for us. It's that good news, that gospel, that changes our lives. So with gratitude, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.